This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today's episode is delayed. Um, I have been so behind on podcast. I am so sorry. It's the end of the year, and I'm just trying to wrap everything up, and then I've been so behind on the podcast, so that is totally my fault. I'm very sorry about that, but that's why this is delayed because I just recorded this episode, and I was going to do another solo episode, and I was going to make it lessons that we've learned in 2020, um, goals for 2021, but honestly, as I was going through my podcast list, I noticed that every single podcast on my, like, new podcast was all about kind of like a recap of 2020, and honestly, I just don't want to do that because I feel like 2020 was not the best year. Um, Yes, there was a lot of growth. Yes, there was a lot of learning, but I don't want to kind of recap it for the fifth time, I guess. I wanted this episode to be a normal episode, um, an episode where you guys can get tangible tips, especially entering the new year. So this episode, I am interviewing Christina and Steph, and they are the founders of Open House Austin. It is a female-owned real estate education company working to expand the possibilities of home ownership and real estate investing for first-time home buyers throughout the country. Christina and Steph are seriously so knowledgeable. They are actually both realtors, but that's not what they started in. So they both moved to Austin in their early 20s, and they both realized that there was potential in diving into the housing industry, and now they both own a combined 18 properties in Austin, which allowed them to leave their 9-to-5 job. Christina was a former wedding planner, and she also had a lot of other jobs as well, and then Stephanie was a former teacher, and they make over $20,000 of passive income each year. So I think that this episode is going to be so valuable. If you didn't know, I am actually in the home buying process myself. I'm closing on a house next week, which if you guys don't want to miss out on that, definitely follow my YouTube channel. I'm going to be vlogging a lot of that, um, the home buying process and the renovation process because I am flipping it. But I'm doing that um, next week. I'm closing and I just, there's so much that goes into buying your first house that you do not know. You don't know so much about buying your first home. And it's just something that is not cohesive. And what I love about Christina and Steph and about Open House Austin is that they are breaking down the barriers to investing in real estate. Like typically you think about investing in real estate and you think of like rich old white men that invest in condominiums or have like, I don't know, apartments in New York City or you think of just old rich people that have a lot of money that now invest in real estate. But that is not the case. They started investing in real estate when they were not making a lot of money. I mean, they were teachers, they were wedding planners, they weren't these mega millionaires or they weren't raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they were able to invest in real estate. So we talk all about their journey and then I ask them really technical questions about like what should you look at when you're buying your first home? How much money do you need? Um, You know, we talk all about finding a realtor and what makes a good realtor? How do you become a good landlord? What does investing in real estate even mean? How to get started? And so I truly think that this is probably my most helpful podcast episode yet, especially if you are wanting to buy a home soon, if you're curious about investing in real estate, or if you honestly want to invest your money, this is such a good episode to look into. So uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I'm really excited for it to go live and I hope that you guys have a happy new year because when this is going up, it is almost 2021. So hopefully 2021 is a little bit better than 2020, but I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hi, Christina and Steph. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, very excited. I'm so excited to have you on. I know so many of my followers have been getting into real estate. They've been thinking about buying a home and I feel like you guys are the perfect people to have on. I've been on your website before. I was looking at your blog. It's just so useful and so helpful for anyone looking to purchase a home right now. So I feel like you're going to give such good insight. We mainly work with first time buyers and help them turn their first home into investment. So yes, very, yeah. We know, we just we noticed that there was not very much education out there, so we're we're here for all the people who are lost on the internet. Yes, we've been there before. Yeah, I totally. Get yeah, it. 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I was telling them before, but I'm purchasing a home and I'm closing next week and there is so much that goes into it that you just don't know about before you actually get into it. And I feel like there should be more discussion around it and it shouldn't just be like once you're getting into it that you learn about all of this stuff. I feel like there needs to be more education beforehand with it. And so I love that that's kind of what you're using your platform to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember like when I was trying to buy my first home years ago like working like not having enough information actually like pushed me away from buying for two years so yeah it's really near and dear to our hearts yeah yes. <laughs> work with first-time home buyers we know we have 100 percent been there it's so cool that you're buying it yeah and you're Thanks. taking on a fixer upper we definitely want to you know talk to you on our podcast as well about that yeah so. yeah no i'm so excited and i'm documenting the whole thing on my youtube channel and kind of talking also about um first time my first time buying experience on there as well and that's just something i've noticed that so many people want to know more about so i feel like you're yeah. um, like your blog your company you guys are doing like such a great job in educating people on it thank you <laughs> so let's dive into setting the record straight so this is where we talk about some assumptions and some stereotypes and then you'll let us know if they're true or false investing in real estate is something people should consider Oh, true. Yes, very true. <laughs> Emphatically true. I um, think we were confused. Like, yes, <laughs> obviously. No, but we live yes. in such a world like we're, we're surrounded by it all day, every day. And so we're both investors. We started investing, both of us, like around seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And it has increased our freedom, increased our net worth, increased our wealth. It's like, I mean, if you talk to us for long enough, you're 100% convinced that you have to start investing in real estate today. And I think the misconception is like, you know, well, I only want to buy one house or I think I only want to buy one house. Like I, I don't want to be an investor. And that's where we really teach people that you can make your first home an investment. And even if you just want one home, that can be an investment as well. You don't have to be house poor. Yes. Like the, the stereotype of an investor is kind of like a, you know, older white man. And <laughs> we're trying to bust through that because we can be an investor by buying one house and then yeah. buying two. You don't have to have a condominium and, yeah. you know, you don't have to have hundreds of properties to be an investor. And I think, yeah, it's like really scary when you start Googling real estate investor online because it'll be like, this man bought 50 hotels. And you're like, well, I can't do that, I don't think, right now. So <laughs> I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I feel like when people do think about like real estate investors or investing in real estate, it's like these big huge either like commercial real estate or people think of like yeah the hotels or they buy whole like apartment buildings and that's just not what most people do and that's not even what you have to do to make money or to make passive income so I think that yeah it's good that we're talking about like breaking down those barriers that like you don't have to be super rich necessarily to start investing in real estate exactly yeah. the barrier to entry can be super low yeah mm -hmm. and the next one is that buying is better than renting true <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously we're kind of biased yeah. but i think it's just changed both of our lives so much that we just can just preach it all the time that like buying is yeah. much better than renting and we we don't condone buying in in every single scenario it's yeah. like because a lot of people buy and then they're house poor and then they're struggling to pay their mortgage and they're stressed and they can't afford repairs and that is the opposite of what we're standing yeah. for we we are all about the smart purchase the investor purchase which means when you're on your first purchase like you're doing something where you're not necessarily moving in but you're buying it as an investment but we have a lot of clients who buy a house and then they cover their entire mortgage payment with income from their property so either they have a roommate or they have an airbnb unit or mm -hmm. they have a little space in the backyard that they rent out and so when it comes to buying versus renting in that respect where you can create income through your property that you've bought. It's just your, your income increases, your savings rate increases. It's just like a no brainer when you do it the way that we teach. Yes. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. I think, I definitely think that buying is especially long-term better than renting. And of course there's some situations like when I was in college, I was definitely going to rent an apartment, you know, like at school. Yeah. But I do think that in some cases, like you should try to see if you can purchase or see if you can buy or see if that's something that you can work yeah. out. Because uh, I think a lot of people are just scared to even think about that or consider it. But sometimes, mm -hmm. like we said, like the barrier to entry isn't as high as you might think. Yeah. And it's funny you said in college, you were like, 
I should rent. And I remember my dad actually was like, you should try to buy a house. I'll help you. And, and I remember that in college and I was like, dad, no. But actually now like that would have been smart because I would have gotten in-state tuition and saved a lot of money, but. Yeah, that's actually the, so it, true. Yeah. Right. Like the, sure we're, we're trying to, we're trying to also reframe like buying a house isn't, doesn't mean that you're settling down. Mm. So like I bought my first house when I was 24 and all my friends were, you know, moving around or they they were really intimidated by the idea of having a house, not only the repairs aspect, but like I have to live here for 30 years. Yeah. That is not, that's not appealing to me at all. And we want to reframe that because buying a house could potentially mean more freedom. Like mm -hmm. you could rent it out and move abroad. And we have so many clients who are using real estate to become more free instead of being weighed down by the purchase. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to think about it, how it actually increases your freedom. Cause I do think a lot of people think of it as settling down. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's really it's like true. The, the natural framework of life has been like, okay, get married, then buy a house. Mm -hmm. And then you're there for 30 years and you, you know, that's like the opposite of what we've both done. Both Christina and I bought houses as single, single women. Like we're very, we're, we're trying to make normalize that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we've definitely had clients who have bought a home quit their corporate job and traveled the world. And, and like they were able to do that because they treated their home as an investment. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, and the next one is investing in real estate is more hands-on and time consuming. Investing in like the stock market, for example. Oh, uh, I mean, hmm. I would say true. It is probably true. Um, it also depends on how, like we, we have, we've, we've coined the scale of passivity. Yes. So like we, we talk about real estate investing on a scale because you can do it as a second job. Like it can be a part-time job for sure, mm -hmm. but it can also be a very passive way to invest if you're doing it the correct way. And it's just all about your, your situation. And so like, if you have a really demanding job, you're not going to want to buy a property that needs a lot of fixing up that you have to do yourself. Yeah. And I think it's for me, like the control of real estate, I really enjoy. Like I know anytime I buy a property, I'm going to have like, you know, scenario A, B, C. So if something goes wrong with scenario A, I can like still make money with scenario B. And I don't really know if you can do that when you invest in the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. So. Stock market is kind of like set it and forget it, which is awesome um, because there is very ha hands And I hands guess off. in some way it's not like, right. You do have to like with the stock market, you do have to like reassess every year. And honestly, I do want to learn more about that. I, I, I'm not yeah. the most educated in that, but I, I have tried and you do still have to like manage your money when you invest in the stock market, but you don't have as much control of it. Yeah. I would say like your investment. Right. Right. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly. So why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, -N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. 
I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time, you know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. We also right. love when we're, if we're talking about real estate versus the stock market. Real estate is not only you have more control, but the return is just outrageous when you do it correctly. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a creative aspect and a concrete aspect where you can feel it, touch it. Everyone has to have live somewhere and you can decorate it and make it beautiful. <laughs> it's way more fun. It's way more, <laughs> way more fun. Yeah, it is more fun. Yeah, I totally agree. And now, like, I'm curious to know, like, what did you guys want to do when you guys were growing up? Like, was real estate something that you wanted to get into even when at a young age? Oh, my God. What a sweet question. That is a sweet question. <laughs> I like asking um, everyone what they wanted to be when they were younger because I feel like it's it's interesting to see, like, if you ended up that way or, like, how your paths have changed. I personally have never been good at school, never been a good employee, but I never, I was like, I'm not dumb. Like, I just don't like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I think I always wanted to do my own thing in some way. When I was weirdly, when I was really young, I wanted to be a dentist. Don't know why. Um, I, probably cause I got braces and I thought like they were cool, but beyond that, I was like, I want to work for myself in some capacity and then i found real estate and was like this is so cool i can be a realtor i can be a business owner i can be a real estate investor like i can be so many things and have kind of like more control over my life yes that's so good i i wanted to be a high-powered advertising like i wanted to work for a magazine um, like a magazine editor and i think it was because i watched 13 going on 30 which is <laughs> <laughs> was my favorite movie and I wanted to live in New York but when I got to college I also wasn't that good at school and I wanted things I wanted to do things in the most efficient way and I would I remember being so angry at professors making me do busy work and yeah. I really didn't like it so it aligns kind of with the way that real estate is I feel like real estate is the most efficient way to build wealth and it's also so freeing so I I didn't mention this but I taught elementary school for seven years right after college until about three years ago. And I was really stressed by money and by time. Like my schedule was so rigid, my, I, my definite earning ceiling. And so my biggest thing in getting out of teaching was I wanted schedule freedom and time freedom, or sorry, schedule freedom and money freedom. And now that I have it, I'm like, this is like, this is the only way. And there's definitely multiple ways for other people to do it. For, for me, it was like, I love real estate so much and I've achieved real um, financial and schedule freedom through it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I feel like I'm very similar to you where I wanted to work at a magazine. I wanted to mm. live in New York. Like that was always my goal, but really I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to own yeah. my own business. I wanted to make my own money. I didn't, I, I used to work um, at a consulting firm and one of my biggest pet peeves was that we had to be there from like nine to five, but sometimes mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. Like I was like, I don't need to be yeah. here. I feel like I'm just wasting my time. Like I could be doing so many other things. It was just a lot of busy work, a lot of things that 
just weren't managing time efficiently. So I feel like I'm right up there with both of you where it's like, I wanted to be efficient. I wanted to own my own thing. I wanted to kind of be my own boss. And I feel like real estate really does give you the best of both, you know, like you're making your own money, but you can kind of control it still, which I think is Mm -hmm. awesome. And then when did you two get into real estate? So I know that you were a teacher for seven years. And then, uh, Christina, what did you do after college? After college, I had no idea what I was doing. My background was in hospitality management. I worked at uh, Circuit of the Americas, like a Formula One racetrack for a little bit. I worked as like a wedding, a day of wedding planner. Um, I tried to start my own Etsy (laughs) vintage company um, and then got into real estate kind of, when did I, oh my gosh, when was that? Like, I was 20... I think I got my license no 24 I got my license when I was 24 um, and it really did happen because I was trying to buy a house because I lived with five people and was like wait I can just like be the landlord and make yeah. a lot of money I already live like kind of uncomfortably like I don't care I'll do anything to like make some money right now and um, got really excited about that like why is not why like if I graduated and had a corporate job and was making good money like this would be a no-brainer so that was really exciting to me to try to like spread that message and do it myself um so that's kind of how I got started from there you know started partnering with people like that's how I was able to do it because as a realtor you're your own boss and then it's kind of hard to get approved for a loan when you're your Mm -hmm. own boss unless you have like two years history so I started partnering with people and that's kind of how I found Steph. Like I was investing or I was renovating a home in Austin and was like, are there other women out there doing this? And that's, I found Steph on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then Steph, how did you get into real estate? Um, so I, I lived in Austin. I was, went to university of Texas at Austin and I was living in a neighborhood that was really growing quickly. And I was teaching and I was quickly about to get priced out of my neighborhood and I wasn't going to be able to afford rent anymore. And if I was, it would have to be in a room in a house. And I was like, I just, I want to be more comfortable and I know that I'm going to have a roommate anyway. So I, I decided to buy a house at a young age, um, when I was 24 and then it just went so well and I started getting rental income and I was like, this is really cool. And thinking about old landlords who were just collecting checks every month. And I was like, what? (laughs) This is blowing my mind. So I bought a second house while I was still a teacher. So I owned two houses while I was a teacher. And then I was like, this is actually, I would go to, go to school, go to work and just want to be home, like fixing stuff at my house or like knocking walls down or redoing a room. And so I decided that that was where I wanted to spend most of my time. I got my real estate license and I started teaching people how to do what I had done Um, and it gained traction. Like people were interested in it because it is so exciting to be able to grow your net worth without having a lot of money up front. Mm -hmm. Because as a teacher, you know, I had very little cash started with, you know, almost no savings and just grew and grew. And so, um, so yeah, and it's grown into this company, which is like our little baby. Yeah. It's so fun. We we're lucky. We found each other. We're both like, wait, we have similar values and, you know, a mission why don't we start like why don't we partner and from there literally this kind of just like snowballed into this company yeah. <laughs> we're, we're very lucky that we're aligned on where we're heading so totally it's just been kind of like working out yeah yeah no I think it's so incredible and also how did you realize like once you came together how did you realize that there was this lack of education in the real estate world or this lack of education for first-time buyers like was that something both of you individually felt and then came together and it was perfect or was that something kind of you guys started talking and then realized that this was missing and then decided to start this company I think that was what like bonded us is when we met we literally like talked for four hours straight about it and we were like why are people doing this like it was so exciting to meet someone else who was that excited about this and I don't know it was just I had never talked to anyone before who was so aligned um in yeah. that mission and I think that kind of we always felt that and we we didn't part like we met that was like two years or what, how long? We like, knew each other two years before we actually partnered in business. 
Yeah. And we became really close friends because we didn't really have other friends who were talking about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we also, we were both realtors and we both were working with first time buyers, which is not a popular demographic to claim. Like no. not all, not very many realtors want the designation of like, we were working with first time buyers because it usually means more, more time more because time. you're educating, you're holding hands. And that's kind of what we like to do. We mm -hmm. like to make sure that people are aware of what they're doing. And so people are really trying to get out of this designation, trying yeah. to be luxury agents or listing agents. And we were just like, no, this is, this is where the need is. This is where people really, we're really helping people. We're not just helping someone buy a $2 million house. Cause it, I feel like we're both not very much like salespeople. Like we wouldn't consider ourselves salespeople. So it was, it's really hard to be like, buy this million dollar home. Like I just don't believe in it. So yeah. I think we mm -hmm. both were like, this is so easy for us to spread this message. Like we can help you buy your first home. We can help you make money on it. And I think, although it takes more handholding and more time, um, it's so much more rewarding. And I think we're, we're only just growing and getting more and more systems for people and like building out more, you know, tools for people to use that hopefully like, yeah, it's going to take us more handholding and time, but I mean, it'll be worth it in the end. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And since you do work with a lot of first time buyers, what is something that you see that is the biggest misconception about when you're ready to buy your first home? Well, the biggest one is that you have to put 20% down. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that is something I think it's becoming more mainstream knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, just because home prices are a lot more than they were when our parents bought and when their parents bought. And so saving up 80, 90, $100,000 is really hard. And especially in this time when like things are expensive, rent is expensive, you know? Um, and so the barrier to entry being as little as 3% down really allows more people to jump into the market. And so if, if you think 20% down is the only way, it really isn't. No, we've ne neither of us have ever put 20% down on any properties and we've bought over 20 properties combined. Exactly. And I think like even a lot of our clients, like there's, there's programs you can utilize. Like we've had clients buy a house for $5,000. Like it, there's so many different ways you can buy a house. Um, and we love teaching people the different strategies, even if you don't, you know, qualify for a program, there's different ways where you can still pay around like five to 10 if you partner or utilize a different investing strategy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have a question about the 20% down. So that's definitely something I have been told is like a 20% down is like, like normal. That's how much you should put. So with, let's say doing less than 20% down being as low as 3%, does that make your offer less competitive? Would you say, or are there other ways to kind of ensure that even in a competitive market, you can still get the offer? Yeah, it, it, not gonna lie to you, it's not easy if there's multiple offers and you're looking at a house that is like, you know, beautiful and everyone wants it or it's like really cheaply priced, uh, you're probably not gonna get it. Be, we're gonna be real. Yeah. But we do, like, I think both me and you love being creative in how we find our homes and that's what we teach our clients as well. Um, none of, I think we always find homes, like me and Steph just bought homes that were sitting on the market for a year in, in competitive markets. Like, so we just saw the potential in them. Yeah. Um, that's, and... that's the, that's a great answer. I was like, yeah, <laughs> because it, it, because especially in, in, I mean, real estate right now is insane. So, it's insane, yeah. so for sure it is more challenging, but like, like Christina said, we, we teach a creative approach. Like there's, there's not, a there's not a hard and fast rule of like, this is not going to get you the house or this is going to get you the house. But we really try to help people to find, you know, the beauty in what doesn't, what other people can't see the beauty in. Yeah. Um, and so we, yeah, I just, we just both closed on houses in November putting, how much did you put down? Five, 5% down. I put 7% down and in like the most competitive in Florida and in Austin mm -hmm. and got getting amazing deals because we, kind of saw what other people didn't. And mm -hmm. so that's, you know, it's really easy to see the value in this beautiful home or like in a house that's photographed well. Yeah, photographed well. Oh my gosh, it's crazy what pho photographs, what staging does. And um, there's a lot of realtors out there and it's so easy to get your license. Not all of them are great. So sometimes you'll see like a listing on the market and you're like, those photos are so bad. It doesn't cost that much to like <laughs> yeah. get good photos. So I don't, but I mean, those are the homes to look out for. I'm like, oh, that one 
Yeah. Gotta go look at that one. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that, that's one tip is like something that's been sitting on the market for a long time. Like go check it out. Even if the photos look bad and even, and especially, especially if you have low money down, yeah. those houses that have been sitting on the market for a long time, they can't be picky. And so that, that's a really good strategy to still put low money down in buying a competitive market. And one more thing to say about low money down, we really like putting low money down. <laughs> we use um, the rest of our savings to invest in um, investment property, like fixer upper homes. So, mm -hmm. you know, both of us just bought homes with low money down with the intent of like, we're going to use the rest of the money um, to put it back into our home to raise the value. So that's something else about putting mo low money down. Um, Even if you have enough to put more down, like sometimes it's, a, it's an investment strategy to put less down, especially since interest rates are so low right now. I don't know, hopefully this ages, this podcast ages well, but, <laughs> yeah. but right now, in 2020 yes. and 2021, the money is so cheap to borrow that even if I, you know, I, I would advise someone if, even if they had $100,000, maybe think about putting less down just because money is so, so affordable to buy, to borrow right now. And you could maybe save the rest of that for another house or mm -hmm. upgrades or renovations. Mm -hmm. There's That's so many strategies. So good to know. Like, I don't want to say too much because, but it's, I mean, it's so exciting. That, that is actually such a good strategy. Like I've, I really haven't heard of it that way in the sense of like putting low money down and then the rest you can save to fix it, fix something up or to invest in something else. Like, because interest rates are really low right now. I think I got mine yeah. for, I don't remember the exact percent, but it was like 2.75%, like Crazy. around there, which is yes. so low. Because I know nope. it used to be like 4% or higher. Yeah. <laughs> Under 3% is like, it's unheard of. Like last year it was 4%. And when our parents bought, it was like 12%. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's really, really amazing. Really I know. I, w I remember asking my parents, I was like, what what's a normal interest rate? And they're like, oh yeah, when like our grandparents bought a house, like I know my grandparents uh, moved to the US like later on in life. And so when they bought a house like 20, 30 years ago, interest rates were at like over 12%. I think it was like <laughs> yeah. a 14% interest rate. I'm like, that it's is crazy. insane. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. were doing it. People were buying. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, who knows? I'm, I'm sure they're going to go back up at some point mm -hmm. and we're going to just find a different way of... Uh, investing and still making it and still it's going to make sense to us. So yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a strategy right now. Like putting low money down is such a no brainer with these low interest rates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about investing in real estate, do you typically mean investing in the sense of having a fixer up or flipping it, selling it or investing it and getting that passive income from rent every month and renting it out to people or what's kind of your best strategy for investing in real estate? I think when, at least, like when we started out, at least when I started out, I was, you know, what, I started out with low money. So I was trying to buy cheaper homes. Um, so I think I've kind of graduated over the years. And I think that's kind of what a lot of people do is like, you get in where you can. And then from there, you're going to find what works for you. Yeah. So that that's kind of how and when um, as, as opposed for when when you're talking about flipping versus long term hold or buy and holds, we are predominantly actually we don't flip yeah. um and i think like no no shade to flippers at all because we we totally get it um but and right us, now is a good time to flip yeah, honestly because totally, it's a seller's market but um but it's more of a job in that in that you're doing something you're getting paid and then you don't get paid after that it stops right yeah. so you do the work and you get paid for your job um whereas we buy and rent out and then we're getting a monthly paycheck and then we do it again so yeah. we've bought and hold i've only sold two properties in my whole investing career. And that Same. was not a flip. It was mostly like, okay, it makes sense for my portfolio for me to sell, let go of this one right now. Um, and so I, I would say where, I mean, we love any type of home renovation, all of it. It's so fun. But I think the distinction between flipping being more of a job and buy and holds being more of an investment. Because with also with buy and holds, like not only can you reap the benefit of getting you know, rent from tenants, you can also pull cash out of your home. Like that is literally how I bought my last house in Florida is I pulled like cash out of this house that we're sitting in right now. I lowered my interest rate, pulled cash out, was able to use all that money for another investment. So it's just so cool what you can do with a buy and hold property. But I do see like there's a time to flip also. Like yeah. some, some, well, a lot of people are flipping right now because 
um, you you can like get a lot of money for the homes. But yeah. it, to me, it seems a little bit more risky if you're starting out for the first time. Um, I really like a buy and hold, especially if yeah. you are renting right now. Like, might as well buy a house to live in. You can do like a live and flip. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that um, I want to begin buying houses and then renting them. Like that's definitely something that one of my goals before 2021 ends is to own two homes to like rent to people. So that's like a goal I'm hopefully going to achieve. Um, But I really do think that it's such a good way to invest your money. And like you said, I like having the control of it, you know, because like – the stock market, like you said, it is you kind of leave it there and it does the work for you, but you still have to reassess every month. And I do invest a little bit in the stock market, but I do think that um, something I'm just more interested in is property and rent- yeah. buying it and holding it and renting it out to people. You should come yeah. to our webinar. We're going to do that, like a webinar in January of how to buy your first home and make it an investment. So yes. Oh yeah. I would love to. <laughs> it's free. free. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love how you're saying like, buying something and renting it out because when when you think about a buy and hold rental you're getting you're covering all of your expenses including your taxes and your insurance every month so usually hopefully you'll have some cash flow on top of that and you're cashing in on market appreciation so the house is appreciating in value and you're getting monthly monthly cash flow so you're really approaching this in so many different directions in earning money off of this investment Mm -hmm. so it is different from a stock market investment, unless you're taking out dividends, which, you know, you're not going to, if you're taking out dividends, maybe it's, you know, 30, 50 bucks, depending on how much you have in there. But a real estate investment is just like, so the, the return on investment is crazy. There's, yeah, mm-hmm. there's And when did you begin making passive income on your investments? So was, were both of your first homes ones that you did rent out to people and you began making a passive income? Or when did you realize that the passive, in, like this was passive income that you could you know, kind of live off of. Yeah. I mean, I wanted, so I told you I lived with five people when I was 23 Mm -hmm. and I tried to buy a house and didn't realize like you should have a salary job or, you know, you should have a little bit more money. Um, and so that kind of, I, I like went back to the drawing board, like, what can I do right now? So my first home, actually, I invested, um, in a different city for cheaper, like uh, a cheaper sales price with a friend who was also interested in investing in that city. So I partnered um, and we bought something that was way cheaper than I could have bought in Austin just to test it out. And then immediately we were able to get rental income from tenants. I I wanted to buy a house in Austin um, and rent it out through how, like what we call house hacking. Um, I just couldn't at that time do it in Austin. Um, so I started off in San Antonio and then my second property I bought as my own house in um, Austin and, to live in. And to rent house hack. And a house hack. To, so house hack is like having other people pay for part part or all of your mortgage payment. Not yeah. through and then, renting it or? Yeah. Through renting it, Airbnb. So I had, um, I had one or I had two rooms that I, uh, one room I did Airbnb and then another room I had like a six month tenant who would like rotate. Um, and and that's how I started out when I was like 25. Yeah, so you can kind of piece it together. And I similarly, my first house I bought and then I had my best friend move in and she paid half my mortgage. So it was like, okay, this is really cool. My, <laughs> my payment is so cheap and because someone's paying half of it. And then I rented that one out to tenants and I was cash flowing $500 a month off of that one property and i was like this is insane 500 dollars a month especially on a teacher budget that's like a huge raise every month mm-hmm. um and so then i bought another house i started airbnb i was like the house hacking queen i had a long-term uh, <laughs> long-term roommate i had a airbnb room i had a back unit that i was airbnb and so i was cash flowing my rental property and i was cash flowing the house that i lived in so i was 500 cash flow on my rental property and then like i think it was something outrageous, like $400, $500 on the house that I actually lived in. So I didn't have any living expenses. And that's when I got addicted. I was like, this is cool. Living expenses are like the biggest expense per month for most people. Um, And so I kind of tried to scale that idea. And so I just kept on buying. I've done this now. This is my fourth home that I closed on in November that I've moved into and house hacked you know, the, it's a kind of a, like a chain event. And so I've been cash flowing since day one, but 
I now, my goal is to have $60,000 in passive cash flow income. And I think I will do that in 2021. That's amazing. That's such a good goal to have. And I feel like it's crazy even hearing that because $60,000 is what most people, I mean, I don't even want to say most people, most people don't make that in a year, you know, like 60,000 is something that a lot of people don't even make it with their salary. So that's amazing that you can do that with passive income. Yes. So exciting. That's what we love. Like that's what open house is all about is like teaching people they can do that. And with their first home, like that first home can put you into your like dream life quicker than mm-hmm. working your nine to five job. Yeah. So we, we see, you hear that a lot is, well, I can't buy my dream home. I'm just going to save and save and save until I can eventually in 10, 20 years, buy the home of my dreams. Um, when really you can buy your first house and that can propel you forward and to your dream home and your dream life way faster than if you just wait and save. Yeah. Like this house that I'm sitting in now was definitely not my dream home. I bought it when I was 25. I fixed it up, but this house has allowed me to buy me and my sister just bought our dream home in Florida where we like grew up going, where I was like, my rich friend's parents own a home here. (laughs) And now I can like say, you know, I, I have a house here that like a family home, a rental property and how I was able to afford it was this property that I bought when I was 25. So Mm -hmm. you know, like there's so many different possibilities um, and you don't have to wait to buy your dream home. Yeah, I like that a lot. And also how I feel like a lot of people think like, unless you're really rich, you can't buy a house, you know, and kind of like you said, like you can start with something that you can't afford, and then that will make you money. And then you go like, it's a exponential growth, I would say, you know, it's not like you're going to start with buying a giant mansion that you've been dreaming of since you were little, but you can start smaller and then work your way up. And that's something that's really cool that you guys are doing. Um, And being landlords, how, what is a good, I guess, tactic on how to find a good renter? Because that's something that I don't, like, it's something that's new to me. Like I say, like, oh yeah, I want to buy a house and I want to rent it out. But I don't really know, like, beyond that, like, what's the step of like, how to find someone to actually rent the home and be a good renter? Yeah, I think that's like everyone's fear, right? Like everyone doesn't want, like, uh, to do that. So we we are definitely teaching that in our investor course. And we also, have an article about that like how to find the best roommates and tenants but honestly it 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 does take some like a uh, creating a really good ad um doing background checks and i mean you kind of just learn as you go there are definitely there's definitely a way to finesse it yes (laughs) there's a learning curve for sure you're gonna learn so much and that's kind of that's unfortunately that's a big piece of this is just you just have to do it yeah um but we, I mean, I use, you know, programs to help me keep stuff organized and that helps me a lot. I use avail.co. I don't know if, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sponsored by them or anything, but, um, but they are, I mean, I just like, they have, they store all my leases. My, yes. my tenants pay rent through their, they background check, um, through that website. So everything is done through one single space. And especially if you have a, if you're a business owner, if you have a job, like it's, it's a, really, it's really important to systematize. And so that's probably the biggest thing is like, when I'm not a systems, I'm not naturally a systems oriented person, but that is like probably my biggest piece of advice is system systems before everything. And if, well, I think with Avail, didn't we have like a tenant come up to the open house when we were trying to, and then like they just filled it all out on the phone yeah. and like did a background check. So it can be really quick. Um, but if you're like, I don't have time for all that, like we totally get it. We started out managing our own properties. Um, and now, uh, so if you're someone who's like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to learn that. Like you can totally budget to have, um, a property manager Mm -hmm. and just knowing like, if you're going to do short-term rentals, how much does that cost for a property manager? Um, if you're going to do long-term and then you're going to kind of figure out as you go, like what's best for your property. Um, but you can totally buy a property with the intent of hiring a property manager as long as you budget for it. Yeah. Make sure that it's in your numbers. And we are very compassionate with people who don't want to be landlords because honestly, when I first started, (laughs) I managed all my properties and I'm not cut out for it. Like I don't like it. I, I hate it. I, and I, now I have a property manager who, who manages every single one of my properties. I don't talk to tenants. I don't mess with any of it. And I just baked it into my numbers to make sure that I can afford that. And I still have cash flow, and, you know, all my numbers still make sense with a property manager. So 
think about that beforehand, even though you're going to learn a lot in your first property. And I know like that also could sound intimidating. Like, where do I find a property manager? Like, where do, wh where do I even start with these leases or whatever? And that's like, I mean, always ask for referrals, obviously. Like, we love our community that we've created through Open House. Like, all, like, we have a Facebook group. When it's not COVID, we do events. Um, I mean, now we're doing a lot of virtual stuff. Uh, yeah. And and that's just really helpful to, like, ask for referrals. And your realtor should have a lot of good um, options for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super helpful. I'm definitely going to look up that avail.co for whenever I need to. Um yeah. <laughs> Because that yeah. sounds really helpful and I'm a huge systems person and like project management person. So I feel like yeah. I'll love it. Um, and then I guess kind of bouncing off that question, what makes a good landlord? So I know you might have property managers right now, but do you have any tips on how to be a good landlord to your renters? <laughs> Definitely be systems oriented. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> Clear is kind. Clear is kind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think spreadsheets, so helpful. Um, I am very much a systems oriented person, um, but I also don't feel like I'm cut out to be a landlord yeah. just because we have our business and stuff. So, but I definitely think like spreadsheets, keeping track of like, who are your tenants? How much are they paying? Where, like keeping folders, like where's the, where are the leases? Where are the tax documents I need for my CPA? Um, being super organized is, is definitely how to be a really good landlord. Where are you keeping your keys? You know, like yeah. that's... And then making sure that your tenants know how to get in touch with you. Yes. So they're not like texting you, calling you. There should be, you know, a protocol. If mm -hmm. something happens, then you do this. Yep. And then when that happens, you should have really good people that are on call. And so that's why we love our community so much because if you, if anyone needs anything, like I, last minute I need a, I need a plumber, you'll have like six people respond to you with mm -hmm. it's a plumber that they've loved and they've worked with. And, yeah. and personal referrals are everything in this business. And so I think... Having systems around how to communicate, having systems around sending someone, you know, like people, the biggest complaint that tenants have is, um, get, is getting people out there for repairs, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, they, they took them, you know, three days and my AC was out and for three days they didn't do anything about it. And so if you have on your end, like someone on call that you have a good relationship with, you're going to be a way better landlord and it's going to be way less stressful for you. Exactly. And there's like a different way, like there's different um also level or what do we call it passivity that <laughs> scale of passivity for even managing properties like i as i said i'm not cut out to be a landlord i was like i'm gonna i'm about to manage the property <laughs> i have in florida but i'm doing it in a way where i'm going to so we're gonna short-term rent it i'm going to manage like messaging people i'm gonna get really organized in the next week and create all my <laughs> spreadsheets and I get really organized and then I'm going to have a cleaner who's going to kind of like be really in, on top of like inventory and cleaning sheets and stuff. So you can have team members, even if it's not just like hiring, hiring a full on property manager, mm -hmm. you can like hire out different parts of the property management. If yes. that makes sense. And that could be more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing that because yeah. it will be more affordable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, those are all great tips. And I feel like the number one thing is like outsource when you need to, especially with like, I mean, as even as a landlord, it doesn't mean that you can be the repairman, the landlord, the property, like everything. Right. So outsourcing is really huge, especially if you can afford it. It can just make your life so much easier. Um, yes. And then a few questions about for like first time buyers. So with buying your first home, what are the number one things that you look at for when you're purchasing a home? So I, it's in your budget. Um, you like the location, but what are other things like when you're stepping into the house that you're looking at to make sure that this is a good house for you? Um, I think we honestly love to, to, uh, teach our first time buyers some of like the big ticket items. Like what are the most costly things? So sometimes, I mean, this happens in Austin a lot. Like there are flippers that are just flipping homes really quickly. And so you have to look out, even if it looks really beautiful, like you have to look at certain things that uh, later on might cost you some money. So, you know, we're gonna do like, was it just was it just flipped and the foundation was fixed? Like do a hydrostatic test if it's like a slab foundation, mm -hmm. like look at the roof, like look at the AC because you don't wanna buy a house that you think, like if you're not looking for a fixer upper, you don't wanna buy a house that you don't think's a fixer upper for top dollar and then like have to fix a lot of things later. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah, that's, I mean, the the um 
because there's a lot of times when the foundation is off and we're like, great, we're, we'll fix it yeah. because that's, you know, that's Scares what we're people. looking for. Yeah. yeah. But with, when you're a first time buyer and you don't want to deal with those things, it's just, it's so important to communicate with your realtor too on like, okay, I'm not looking for something that I have to replace the AC in the next year. So what is the age of the AC? And like that, that's covered in your inspection for sure. But those big ticket items, foundation, AC, roof, plumbing, and electrical, a big five. Ooh, is that yeah. point? No. Yeah. Um, it, that's, that's like the, the, that, that's where the highest priced repairs will lie. And so just like being really clear on those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something I think that's good advice that people don't think about. Like a lot of times you walk into a house and you just see like how pretty it is. But like you have to look at those things too. Oh, natural um, light. I love it. I'll yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the windows. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's another thing though. It's like when you walk in and you're like, I hate this tile. I'm not buying this house. And you're like, okay, wait. If everything is sound, <laughs> if the bones are good, if the, the big five are good and sound, then hiring someone to do tile – that's that could be a $1,500 expense. That's mm. not that much to make it way more beautiful. And so kind of looking deeper than the cosmetic is a, is a big deal, especially for people who are at maybe a lower budget and not, and not as much down because people really do look, look, can't look past the cosmetic. And so there might be a deal in it for you. And I would say also, it's so important to hire a good realtor because it doesn't cost money to you as a first time home buyer. Like you're not paying your realtor. And again, like, me working with a realtor when I was like 23 uh, and it was a really bad realtor, it scarred me where it didn't, I like stopped, I stopped looking for two years because I was like, oh, I guess I just can't do it. She didn't give me my options. She didn't teach me anything. So if you're looking for like to buy a fixer upper, make sure you're working with a realtor who like either invests themselves or knows a lot about investment properties. Um, and if like, there's again, so many realtors out there, uh, so we definitely, if any of your audience needs a realtor, we can connect them with someone we have. Like we know people all over the country because we know how important that is like to vet a really good realtor. You don't want to work with like your cousin's friend because like <laughs> it's like a convenient thing to do. <laughs> right. What are some signs, I guess, of a good realtor? What are some things that you would ask to make sure someone's a good realtor? So I would say, I mean, the lowest job of a realtor, like the, the least priority job is showing you houses. And I think that's what people think is the whole job is like, well, I can walk through houses on my own. Um, but the biggest thing is that they're an expert in their field. They know the market. They've been through this process hundreds, hopefully hundreds of times. Um, and we're not saying that they have to be a realtor for 20 years. Like that might, that probably isn't the best choice because those people might not be as, you know, they might be jaded or, yeah. you know, it, it, it doesn't just depend on experience. And so that's not even one of the questions I would ask. I would say, do you invest yourself? Like, is this something that you're kind of walking the walk? Um, and then also the communication styles. Communication, uh, yes. I would say is like, I mean, that's what I even look for in, in contractors now. I'm like, if you told me you're going to be here at a certain time or you told me you're going to call me and you haven't, I'm like, red flag. Yeah. Um, I think communication is so important. Um and, and obviously you want someone with some experience, but like we have an agent on our team who, who is probably has like two years experience and she's awesome because she was yeah. like, she'll like go above and beyond for you. Like she used to be a property manager. So she knows like so many, so many different aspects of real, real estate. So, I mean, I think you Google stuff and it's like, ask them how many transactions they do or like ask them, you know, like certain things where mm -hmm. when you ask them that you don't really know what that means when you get the answer. Yeah. So I think like, obviously you want someone who has the same kind of values as you because they'll, they'll understand you better and they'll get you what you want. Yeah. And you want to be really weary of a salesperson really, because you, you you're really wanting, oh, you, it's such a big purchase. And so there are people who are just like, Oh, this is going to be less time for me. So I want you to buy this house because we've only seen two and this would be awesome. But <laughs> We, I mean, really, really digging deep into like, is this a really good option for me? Um, you know, talking through that. That's why them being knowledgeable about the market and about investments and about like how a house is constructed is so important. I think that's another reason we bonded when we first met. Like we were like, we realtors are weird, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, they're just like, I don't know. They're just some of them are kind of. They're like real salespeople. Yeah. Like, Whoa, calm down. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what intimidates a lot of people from going even into buying their first home because they're scared that I, they don't, you know, that they're not going to find a good realtor. So I feel like that's also something to keep in mind. Um, but this was so helpful. Is there any like last piece of advice for someone that is looking into taking that first step into buying a home? Like, do you have any advice for them or like, what's your best piece of advice? I feel like this whole episode was filled, filled with it, but I guess like a one liner, that's like your best piece of advice for someone that's ready to make that step. Um, we have a course, we have a first time <laughs> buyer course. And honestly, like the, the amount of information that we wish that we had as a first time buyer is what we've put into this course. And so it just doesn't, no, nothing like this exists because people are like, oh, well, we can just get this from our realtor. But really how, how empowering is it to know this information and know for a fact that you're not being taken advantage of. And so that's where we come from is like trying to empower our, our open house community in making their own decisions, knowing what's happening, knowing what they're signing. And then there's, so we have two tracks as a homeowner track and then an investor track. And so it's kind of like you can choose, do you just want to be really educated on what the transaction is for your first home and just like, that's all, or do you want to invest more? And so we're trying to make this, this is, this should be the first step is educating yourself and really getting clear on what you want, on what is out there, your options. And so I think that's mine. What's yours? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, the, essentially. And, and like, I think just start, like, don't, I think a lot of us are like, I want to do this thing, but then they never make any moves to actually do it. Um, because it seems intimidating. You do like a quick Google search and you're like, well, <laughs> what is an interest rate? Like, I don't even know what that is. And that's embarrassing. Like, I don't know. Yes. I, I literally, when I tried to buy my first house, I thought you needed like a literal briefcase of cash. Like I thought yeah. you had to pay for all of it. Like, yeah. I didn't know. And I was like, that, that's embarrassing. And now I'm a realtor and investor. Like, and I, that was when I, that wasn't that long ago. So yeah, I definitely think like we have packaged it all up for you. So if you don't really want to take that big step, like we also have a quiz, like that'll tell you, are you even ready to buy or not on our website? So you can also do that, but I would just say like, start. Like, yes. If you want to buy a house, like start and, and, get into it. There's so much shame that around not knowing things and it stops people all the time. We see it all the time. People are like, well, I'll just wait till next year, you know, and Mm -hmm. that is, that can be dangerous and it can be expensive. You can, you're costing yourself a whole year of not owning a house. Like Christina, she, she costed her, her realtor cost her two whole years of that equity and that cash flow. And so by, by not taking action, you're actually costing yourself money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, such great advice. I'm so excited for this episode. I mean, I think you guys gave amazing advice and I'm really excited to just document my own journey with buying a house yes. and hopefully buying more houses next year as well. And like actually being an investor and renting it out and documenting that entire experience. Cause I do feel like a lot of people hear about it. They hear about, Oh yeah, this person invested in real estate, but they don't know what that means. They don't know how to get into it. It's still, I feel like it's like kind of secretive for some reason, like unless you're like ready to take the step, like no one talks about it. So I'm glad that you're kind of making it more accessible. You are making it more accessible and really like showing people that you don't need to be a millionaire or super rich or have a super high salary to begin investing in real estate, which is awesome. So where can they find both of you and also open house? Um, you can, I'm on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, it's Kay Moderis. Um, and then open house has an Instagram also at, it's open house underscore Austin. Austin. Yeah. I'm at Steph invests all one word, all lowercase, I guess it doesn't matter on Instagram, but, um, (laughs) Steph invests. And then our, our website is openhouseaustin.co. Um, and there you can find our quiz. You can find, if you're in Austin, we obviously we'd love to help you. (laughs) Um, But also if you're anywhere and you need a realtor, we have like seriously vetted people to be kind of aligned with our values and aligned with our investment mindset. And so we'd love to connect you with a realtor in your city. Yes. Amazing. I'll be sure I'm filming a video on like how to find a house because I have like a few parts to the series that I'm doing. So I'll be sure to link it there because one of the biggest questions was how do I find a realtor? And my Mm. mom is a realtor. So like I just went with my mom, you know, so (laughs) I was like, I don't know actually how to really find a realtor because like I just went with my mom. So (laughs) I think that it'll be um, good to link you guys. Yes, thank you please, so much. Please. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to follow along on your uh, renovation too. That's, yes. 
like amazing that you're doing this as a first time buyer. I, I love it. Yeah. And it's good you. that your mom, like that's, I didn't know your mom's a realtor. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natalie, for having us. Yes, this is amazing. Of course. Thank you guys so much for listening. How helpful was it? Did you take notes? What did you think? Um, if you liked this episode, definitely go onto my YouTube channel and be sure to watch my home buying series. Uh, it's coming up. I already have two videos in it and I'm about to film a third, but be sure to watch that as well um, and subscribe over there because I know some of you guys listen to my podcast but aren't subscribed to my YouTube. So I feel like it would be really helpful for you if this was something that you were interested in. And then also be sure to check out Open House Austin. They have so many resources that you guys can use. Um, they're just full of great learning and educational materials, so be sure to check them out. But I'm just so honored that they came on my podcast. I think that they shed so much wisdom, and I just I feel so much more knowledgeable. And I don't know, I'm ready. I'm ready to begin investing in real estate, and I'm so excited to kind of start my journey in that. So, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you guys have a fabulous new year. Please stay safe. Please be responsible. And yeah, anyways. I'll see you guys next week in 2021. See you next year. Is it too soon for those jokes? All right. Bye, guys. Hey, my name is Lovon Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.